This episode of Talking Home Renovations is supported by NCARB, the National Council of Architectural Registration Boards. You are listening to Talking Home Renovations with a House Maven. Is it time to renovate your house, but you're worried that you don't really know what you're doing? This is an educational and entertaining podcast that will ease your fears. Or maybe you just love hearing about home renovations like I do. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I practice in Eastern Massachusetts. On the show, I interview other architects, vendors, contractors, and homeowners to gather tips and stories about home renovations. You can learn about materials, systems, sustainable practices, what to expect, what to avoid, and how to make the most of the money that you'll spend on your renovation. Dave Rademacher of Rademacher Revival is back with me this episode, and this time we're talking about altering old houses, living in old houses, and how much is too much to do to them. You'll remember Dave from episode 65 when we talked about kitchens and bathrooms in old houses, and I've been talking about my hoarder house on this podcast for a while now, and the time has come for us to sell the house, our house that we have right now and find our next project. So this is really consuming my mind since I love home renovations and I love a new project. I'm hoping that my next project, this is what I was planning, will be an old home that I can make energy efficient. It'll be a smart home. I can have great layered lighting and maybe a steam shower and of course, a fantastic kitchen. But at the same time, I end up falling for significant historic houses and I start to wonder if I can have both the modern amenities that I want in these and the old houses at the same time. So I thought of Dave and I decided to hire him to give me some advice and um, just talk to me about this because very few other people will talk to me about it for, you know, an hour at a time as that's that's what I want to do. So I hired him to give me some advice and I asked him if he'd be okay with recording the conversation for the podcast. He helped me think through some issues and I hope this conversation is interesting to you as well. I do have to add that in this episode, I state my own personal preferences for things like, uh, you know, aesthetic preferences on various elements of houses. And I just want to say, I hope that doesn't offend anybody, but that's just the way I feel about the house that I personally want to live in. So if you like those things that I said I don't like, well, I, I can respect that. And anyway, I hope you're not offended. Dave, I really appreciate you coming back on the show to talk to me about my own personal dilemma. Thanks for having me. I thought of you immediately because I'm looking for a new house and a number of the houses that I've been looking at are from the early 17, early to mid 1700s. Sure. They're both on the National Register. Two of the ones that I've been looking at are on the National Register and probably any future house of that age that I look at will also be on the National Register of Historic Places. But one of them does have interior restrictions, which I think is going to be, it's going to be like, I'm not going to go for it because I have to do something. Um, But it did make me start to think about altering the interior of a house. And so how new does a house need to be before you don't even have to worry about that? Or, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like when are you, when do you go from being a custodian, like purely a custodian of a house to an owner of a house that can modernize it and make it work for your family? Like, is there an age of house that that is okay to do? That's a personal preference, but I'm, uh, you know, if you ask me, I'm probably going to say somewhere in the 60s. 1960s? Yeah, and before, because you, and that that may be a sliding scale as we age, and I I can't imagine the things that they're building now ever being something somebody wants to uh, keep that style um, forever. 
um, you know, but you know, the, some of the mid-century houses definitely have a very specific aesthetic mm-hmm. that you can say, yes, this this is a mid-century kitchen. This is what a mid-century kitchen looks like. This is what a mid-century bathroom looks like. This is what mid-century floor plan looks like. This is mid-century lighting. And so everything mid-century in, in prior to, you can look at those types of houses and say, yes, this is the appropriate aesthetic for the different elements of a house. So you get you start getting much past that and you don't really have that sense of semblance of a style of house. Mm. Does that make sense? Much past that, meaning newer than that. Newer than that. Newer yep. than that. Okay, mm-hmm. but so here's also the issue. A lot of houses were not, there was no electricity when they existed. Correct. Now we kind of want electricity. Kind of is nice to have. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice to have, not a must have. But so a lot of houses have electricity now. So mm-hmm. we, you know, indoor plumbing and stuff. And we talked about adding bathrooms to houses that wouldn't have had bathrooms in the last, last time you were on the show. Correct. But so if I were to, uh, I was about to say adopt. Okay. But if I were about to buy one of these houses that has the, and, and usually it was just the, the first little part was built. The house I grew up in, for example, was eight, uh, 1750 was the original part. And then they expanded it to double the front, you know, so it was like a, a four bay Georgian instead of like a two and a half bay mm-hmm. in the 1800s. And then someone added on to it in the 1930s. So there were all these accretions over time. So the original part, and the same is with houses that I'm looking at now because they were built onto over time. So the original part, I feel like I can't really put recessed lighting in there. Let's just talk about recessed lighting right now. Uh-huh. Or, you know, it's just not, or overhead lighting if there already isn't any overhead lighting. Sure. I mean, can I or can I, should I not? See, I feel like I should not. It depends on who you ask, I know, but the preservationist yeah, it, would be kind of, no. So I, I think that there's a there's a few layers to the discussion. Um, the first layer I would look at is what, if any, is the historical significance of the house that you're that you're purchasing? You know, is it was it designed by a famous architect? What, you know, did a famous person live there, or you know, what 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 is the historical value of the house? And I think I think that's the first layer that you have to look at because if it's if there's a lot of historical value other than just the age of the house, mm-hmm. um, we treat that a little differently. You know, I yeah. think I think with those houses, you have a little bit of more of an obligation to preserve it a little more in the way that it was built. If it has not already been altered, um, you know, if it's already been altered, then, you know, you can either go back or it gives you a little more liberties, I think, moving forward. So outside of that, let's just move that to the side and say, OK, you know, the house doesn't have any historical value other than it being the age of the house. Typically, how I look at those things is we want the houses to live on. You you, you had, a, I think, a, a Freudian slip and said you're adopting a house. Mm-hmm. But, but, I, but I think that's actually a really good word to use mm-hmm. um, because I very much believe that with these older houses, sure we own them, but do we really? I think right. I think we are adopting and we're custodians of the house because we're we we want them to live on for future generations. So that being said, when you're looking at introducing modern communities into an old house, um, what makes the most sense to make sure it does live on for future generations? Um, you know, a house that doesn't have running water <laughs> or plumbing you know, it doesn't have a very high chance of uh, meeting a, a large demographic of people who are going to want to live in that type of a house. So that's, that's thought number one. Um, so, so with that, with that in mind, I typically look at these older houses, mine included, that did not have 
indoor plumbing when it was when it was built. I look at that and say, okay, what would the house have looked like when indoor plumbing was introduced? You know, mm-hmm. so is, is that going to be you know uh, a Victorian uh, era bathroom? Um, would that be an Art Deco bathroom? You know, can can we put a bathroom or a kitchen in that looks like it had was been there when those uh, convenience were conveniences were introduced? And that's how I typically advise and follow when I'm looking at bringing in those modern conveniences. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. But what about lighting? I seem to be really, really, uh, I can't get beyond lighting issues because a, a lot of those things, like the the ceilings are pretty low and in a house where I was just going in and it was like, you know, in a 1970s house where there's maybe seven foot ceilings, then you might try mm-hmm. to fix that with some lighting or something like that. But part of the charm, I guess, is the, are those low ceilings. But Correct. I mean, I'm personally anti can lighting in any house. In any house, so you're that's out. Uh, that's out. Okay. Um, overhead lighting, I guess you know, with those low ceilings, it's a little more difficult. Um, lighting for me is kind of on the cusp of an aesthetic decision versus historical decision. Be- mm-hmm. I say that because you, you know, when when we're preserving these old houses, we really want to do the house justice with the major elements. You know, walls, trim flooring, um, kitchens, bathrooms, but then you start getting into some of the aesthetics, the things that can change and not interrupt the historical value of the house, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, paint, rugs, artwork, furnishings. And I think lighting is one of those things that's kind of right at the line right there because Mm -hmm. lighting is so easy to change um, that I don't know if I necessarily consider it to be something that you can't take liberties with. Mm. Um, For example, you know, I I love Art Deco and I specifically love Art Deco lighting. Yeah, me most too. of most of the lighting in in my 1870s farmhouse is Art Deco. It didn't have if it had original fixtures or very early fixtures that had been with the house for ages and ages, I wouldn't touch them. But it, we didn't have that. We had red boob lights everywhere. So <laughs> red red <laughs> the, boob lights. That's the, the, those more all, unusual. Those all went away and, you know, slowly finding pieces that we're putting, putting in there. So because they're so easy to change out, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really, you know, that's not a hill I, uh, I choose to die on. But if right. it is can lights, I am anti. You're not going to put those in a, an old ceiling? Correct. So typically these houses are kind of decorated with cradles, pewter chandeliers things that mm-hmm. I'm not into. I'm just not into that. Uh-huh. And since I, I mean, I'm just, I, I, I know I'm just not into it and that's okay. I'm just going to say I'm not into those things or sure. like uh, my artwork is much more modern, colorful artwork. Sure. Yep. But I think, I think that those containers, I, like you were saying, because, because you can just change it out. The comments on one of those old houses things, they were saying it'd be a shame if someone put modern furnishings in a house like that. Like what difference does it make? The house is being lived in. You know, so it's not like it's being abandoned. It's being taken care of, and it just happens to have mid-century modern couch or whatever. 100%. Yep. I'm of that same, you know, there's some people who embrace and want their house to look, you know, furnish it of the same time period. And and that's totally fine. You know, it tends to look more like a museum, and, you know, people like that. Um, I'm, I'm of the opinion that the house is being taken care of and, you know, the, those areas where you can show your personality are the areas where you'd want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I follow an Instagram account and I forget the the handle, 
um, but they have a Victorian area era house and it's beautiful, but she loves um, mid-century. So all of her furnishings, all of her artwork, her flooring, her lighting, it's all mid-century and it looks really cool. It's mm. done very well. And I don't think that in any way disrespects the the house. You know, these are all, you know, cosmetic changes. And I, and I encourage people to make those cosmetic changes in lieu of a historic detail that can't be undone, if that makes sense. What do you think about plaster walls? <laughs> um, plaster, that that is a a good discussion because it's, it's a, I don't, I don't know if I'd call anything a heated discussion in the preservation, <laughs> a hot, hot topic, maybe hot topic. Um, you know, cause it, it, it's kind of a small community maybe ish in, in the, in the housing community. When you look at Instagram or TikTok, um, you know, there's a few people that, you know, we all kind of interact with each other, support each other, but there's, there's a varying, belief system on some of these topics plaster versus drywall being one of them um Wait, so can I, can I say one thing i would never absolutely. put up drywall not drywall i'm talking about like taking down the horsehair plaster and lath and then putting up blue board and plaster like i would never actually put drywall up got it okay um just just want that for the record no no, no. yeah no no that's uh sure so 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 plaster and so the the, the conversation typically is plaster versus drywall um but if you're talking older plaster versus a new method of plaster, I think it even narrows the conversation a little bit more. Um, but I think this conversation is similar for all three in that for me personally, if I put somebody who in a room who's mildly educated on drywall and plaster, I can put two walls side by side to them and say, identify for me which is which. They're not going to be able to do it. So, yeah, I, I agree there's there's a there's a number of different factors in place as far as can the current product be saved and i think a lot of people don't save it because they're misinformed as far as what can be saved and what can't be saved um and there's different skill levels and cost to doing one over the other but i'm not a purist in that you have to use for the walls a specific finish because aesthetically and almost mostly functionally, you're achieving the same thing. Mm. Yeah, I was just wondering, because it's hard to patch. Well, it's not that impossible, but the old, old plaster with the horsehair in it is a little more difficult once people start, once like electricians start cutting into it, for example. Agreed. You know, and, and there's, a, there's a conversation to be had there, too, as far as, um, you know, it is more expensive and, you know, we're, it's less takes less skill set to DIY or to teach yourself. Um, so it's a different, it's a different conversation. Like, you know, and that can be said about a lot of things. If you have the means, expertise, connections to do it the harder way, the more expensive way, you know, do you have an obligation then to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you? <laughs> um, I would say yes. I would um, say yes. But- Again, it goes back to to the thought of, you know, are you you're trying to do something to uh, make the longevity of these houses um, for future generations? And if and I put myself in the camp of I have the knowledge, resources, 
varying <laughs> steps of financial ability, depending on the project we're working on, to do right by this house. I'm never looking at a house in terms of if I do this for the house, I'm going to increase its value and then be able to cash out at some point. You know, it's 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 a conversation of what do I have the ability, the finances, resources to do right by the house. Um, it, it may be, you know, we, we talked a lot in the last episode about kitchens and bathrooms. And, um, you know, I, I always noodle around with the idea of with a lot of these houses, can we put a kitchen and a bathroom in a house that never needs to be changed again? Is that is that a is that an outlandish thing to think that I can accomplish with a house? Mm. Um I would say it's it is able to be accomplished whether or not future generations adhere to that but I think I think you can use materials and an aesthetic that matches an era of the house that complements the house and will forever complement the house as long as somebody doesn't doesn't modify it so that is my goal for my house and if I'm consulting somebody else on another house I'm like can we achieve that hmm. and that accomplishes a number of things um Number one, it does right by the house, first and foremost. But number two, it saves future generations from incurring those expenses because you used good materials. You used something that fits the house. So it makes the house more affordable in the long run. And <laughs> so so I, I posted a, a TikTok a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was even longer. Maybe it's been a couple months. I don't I don't recall. But I was you know, it was in jest, but, uh, somewhat in jest, but I was, um, there was, I found a post on, on marketplace where somebody posted a picture of their perfect art deco bathroom. It had original purple fixtures in them, uh, beautiful green, um, uh, flooring and, and, and it said on it, um, you know, they're, they're selling the fixtures and they're in perfect condition. And so I took a couple, you know, uh, pictures of it and saying, you know, if you're, if you're going to buy an old house and you don't like the original fixtures in them, please do not buy the house. Mm. And and you would have thought in on the TikTok community that I was advocating for throwing baby kittens through wood chippers. Oh. Um, and yeah. in 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 the general consent <laughs> the general <laughs> consensus is, you know, it's my house, I'll do what I want. And that, you know, you're you know, it, people can change things like that. And it's fine. Um, but if you're if you're looking at it through the lens of, you know, it's actually cheaper to not do renovations, you know, picking an old house as original fixtures that you don't need to change. You know, that's saving you money as well as doing right by the house. And then number two, it's again, you're being a steward to an old house. You don't you own it for sure. But, you know, if you're looking at it from the mindset of what's right for the house and for future generations, can we not tear those things out. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because when I think about changing these houses, I guess I, I've been wondering why do I even care? And I guess because I feel like I do have an obligation to the house and I'm custodian of the house and like you say, doing right by the house. But there's also the judgment of preservationists being sad about the house. And like, you know, when someone just cuts a tree down, they weren't supposed to cut the tree down, but they just did it. And then, you know, you know like, what are you going to do after they get fined and it just doesn't bring the tree back? So it's kind of a similar feeling I have when people do whatever they want to houses without caring enough, I guess, about the house. So I don't want to be that person. But at the same time, I this is maybe my last house because I don't know why, because I feel like 
I haven't unpacked a lot of the stuff or buried pets or used pigments that I got in Italy like 30 years ago because I was going to do mm-hmm. it in my real house. So I don't mm-hmm. know when I'm going to get my real house. So I'm hoping sure. that this next one, I can bury my pets and use my pigments and it'll be my house. But will it be my house if it's this old house that I need to, you know, keep going for somebody else or for history? Sure. You know what I mean? So, I do. I don't know. So I just want, I want, I also want a smart house, which is not in keeping with an old house, really. Like, so if I wanted to be able to have those elements in my house, I mean, I guess I could in this particular case, I just wouldn't have it in the really old part. Sure. Although I would have to have smoke detectors in the, in the old part because that's the way the law is now. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I could have a smart one. Yeah. And the, there, I think there's probably ways to do it that aren't as intrusive as you would do it in a newer house um you know there's there's a lot of systems you know you know for heating and cooling you know doing a mini split type system or a room by room uh basis obviously smoke detectors is is pretty low and as far as intrusive is concerned but yeah well they're also you have to have them yeah correct but going back to what you said about you know being your last house I, i i i felt that way about our last house as well um, <laughs> yeah it, your previous yeah, house. And, and, yeah. And, and i think we've we've since give given up even with the one we're currently working on that it's just you know it's what we're what what works for us for now but you know you never know what happens down the road as far as jobs and health and kids and you know opportunities and aesthetic tastes changing over time um so i i think i've kind of given that up but it really hasn't i think hindered me from doing certain things in a house, especially, you know, we talked about the things you can do to personalize it that don't necessarily tear at the fabric of of the house. We're going to take a break to talk about our sponsor for this episode, the National Council of Architectural Registration Boards, also known as NCARB. For those of you who don't know, NCARB's a nonprofit organization that's made up of the 55 licensing boards in the U.S. and its territories. So if you're a licensed architect, you would be going through NCARB at some point and also possibly have an NCARB certificate, which allows you to apply for reciprocal licensure in all the different states and jurisdictions. So they put out a survey called the Analysis of Practice Study, and it's your opportunity to shape the future of architecture. Honestly, if you're a licensed architect, why not just fill out this survey? I'm sure you've thought about these issues that they bring up in the survey quite a lot, and now's your chance. So whether you're an architect or you work with architects, NCARB wants to hear from you. So make sure your voice is heard. Go on over to ncarb.org slash AOP. That's N-C-A-R-B dot org slash A-O-P. Now back to our conversation. My neighbor had this house. I think it was built around 1890. So it's just a little house and it's cute. You think inside it should be cute as well. You just assume it's going to be, have those elements in it. Somebody, I'm going to say in the 60s, just went ahead and took all of the trim out and it's all clamshell casing and hollow core doors and so disappointing to go in there for me. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that and as a, an example of how somebody just went ahead and kind of, hmm, can I say ruined the house? Yeah. Is that to seem a little extreme? They ruined it pretty much. But at the time, if it was the 60s and it was built in the 1890s, that was only 70 years, which is the same the same distance right now between, hold on, I got to do some math, between the 50s uh-huh. and now, like from a garrison colonial in the late 50s mm-hmm. to now. Mm-hmm. And you know what's weird is that that's my job. My job is to change houses for people. Sure. 
you know, and I don't even think that much about it if it's a if it's a certain style house that I don't respect, I guess. Yeah. I'm saying some controversial things here today, but <laughs> so I guess I was thinking like how far back do I need to go to feel like I need to preserve the house? And you said the sixties. Yeah. And not not every house in the fifties or forties though. Correct. Yeah. Not every house not I mean, I guess it just depends on the house, but you know, I've had clients who want to blow open in like a 1910 shingle style type suburban house, not a coastal one, but you know, uh, had a lot of character. They just want to blow it open. Yeah. yeah I think there's, de there's definitely, um, some nuance there. Um, I did a, I did a consultation, uh, maybe a month ago on an old farmhouse and they wanted to add a bathroom in the second floor. And, um, but they were very concerned with, preserving the historical integrity of the house and when you go into the my, my ultimate consultation or advice was listen this is this is an old farmhouse it was very utilitarian there's no there's no historic fabric on the second floor that if if you moved this wall or you added this bathroom nobody's going to walk in here and, and if you do it right know that you changed anything there's there's not a certain room size that you have to in keep, you know, the trim up there is very basic. Everything there we can recreate and make it look like it's always been there. So, you know, uh, there's some flexibility, I think, with, with some of that stuff. And then even, you know, cheap old houses had a house um, that on their, um, on their site maybe a couple of weeks ago. And it was, I want to say it was a twenties house, but then had been updated, I think, in the uh maybe the 40s and so it was all decked out on the inside in the 40s and it was kind of cool so i think there's there's also something to be said that you know because you bought a 1920s house doesn't necessarily mean you have to put it back to 1920s if it's already been altered because i think there's certain things talking going back to the you know you're talking about additions that have put on the house i, th I think you can also honor things that have happened to the house over the years mm -hmm. and incorporate those things because houses are, you know, living and breathing and have a story to tell. And I think you can, you can complement and use a lot of elements that tell the story of things that have happened with and people who have lived in the house and honor those things. Um, if that makes sense. Right. But then I feel like there's a lot of judgment on my part as to what part I want to keep that I feel like is honoring it and what other part I don't want to keep that is not, in my opinion, honoring it, right? But I mean, really... For example? Is there an actual answer? Well, like, for example, in one of these houses that I'm looking at, there is a kitchen, and I believe the kitchen's only about 70 years old. Mm -hmm. Only. Okay, it's about 70 years old, which is pretty old for a kitchen, but it's like a Cracker Barrel to me. It looks like a Cracker Barrel restaurant. Okay. I mean, it was done in a colonial way. Sure. So there's just zero chance that I'm going to live with that kitchen. What, what, so then, what would you um, want to do there instead? I'm thinking about it, but probably like what you were talking about with the wooden cabinetry with the legs, maybe, maybe like a milk paint on it or whatever that's called. Mm -hmm. Something that was um, more storage, because right now it's mostly brick. So there'd be a little bit more storage. I'd like to open it up more to um, the yard because I'm trying to connect it to another building out and make it kind of a courtyard in between. I don't even own this house yet. Mm -hmm. I'm just also going to put it that way. But in my mind, I've already done all Absolutely, these. Absolutely, you have to. Things. Right. I ha that's just what that's just what I do. Yeah. So 
but then I'm thinking, well, I just don't like it. And it's pretty new. I mean, it is pretty new. I guess it's like 70, close to 70 years old now. Sure. And the house probably would have had some type of, you know, you know, it would have been an unfitted kitchen where, you know, most of the things in there were separate standalone pieces of furniture. Um, Mm. Yeah, I think I think there's a there's a there's a way to complement the house and still have it be, you know, fit fit your needs. Um, Yeah. And there's also paneling. And I grew up my the first house I lived in when I was a kid had been a tavern in the 1700s. And then somebody just covered it, like covered it with that paneling that has kind of like scoopy, scoopy pine, dark pine paneling with knots in it. Got it. Yep. Yep. I had some of that. What I mean by scoopy is, you know, it has the. That's kind a warp of the, to it. Um, oh no, no, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, just a little yeah, flare yeah, at the yep. edge. Yeah, like, yeah, that was very, very popular. Yeah, it's kind of, yep, I know what yeah, you're talking very about. Very popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, whoever sold that stuff made a lot of money off my first house because the whole thing was covered in that <laughs> stuff, and then as is the sitting area off the kitchen in this other house that I'm talking about now. And I feel like I'm, I'm okay with getting rid of that, even though it's probably in keeping. In keeping, is it in keeping? Because that's actually not a feature of Georgian houses. No, so you could you could you could go you could go either way. I mean, you could, you could look at it as a, as as part of the story of the house, and it you know was something that was done when it was done, and it doesn't look terrible, and it's older, and you know it's fine. Um, but I guess unless it looks terrible, unless it looks terrible, but you know then then the conversation is you know well what would you do instead, and is that better? Yeah, that is always a, it is always a conversation. Is, is somebody going to come into that house after you? Let's say it's not your last house, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, when it, well, what, I'm going to die sometime. When, when They're going to come in and buy to, it sometime. Yeah, when it moves on to the next next uh, person, you know, are they, if they're interested in a house like that, they're probably, you know, somewhat interested in historic houses and, you know, historic interiors, I would hope. Are they going to look at what you did and say, yeah, this, this, this fits the house. I don't, I don't want to mess with it. Do you care? Yeah. Most people don't. And that's what, that's right. why I, I got, don't that's know. Why Do I, I so care? Much, <laughs> so much heat on my, uh, uh, on my, uh, on my TikTok post because. Well, honestly, that TikTok, you have a point with the TikTok. If you don't like the house, then don't buy the house. But on the other hand, that's how I make my living from people buying houses they don't like. Sure. <laughs> so easy for me to say I, when it comes I, to me. My day job, I sell brand new building materials. <laughs> oh, there you go. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh. Yeah, it's I've a bit had, of a conflict. It's a maybe. conflict and I've had some interesting conversations <laughs> where, uh, you know, the, the contractors that I work with will send me, you know, an old house and say, you know, can you quote A, B, and C, and D for this house? It's absolutely not. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not doing yeah. that. You, you put me in the same room with the homeowner. We're going to have a conversation. Uh, yeah, that's awkward, I guess. It is awkward, but, you know, they get where I'm coming from sometimes. Yeah. Well, that's the way I have, you know, I have had to say, if you do that thing to this house, I am going to cry and I will not be able to work on it anymore. And it's a, which it's a, I, I think it's, it's less about superiority saying this is the way you should do it and less about gatekeeping saying, you know, only preservationists should own old houses. I think it's a change in the view. It's an education piece. You know, people do what's popular, what they're seeing on HGTV. Um, mm-hmm. if we can educate the public as why, as to why these details matter, as to why there's, they're cool, why they have historical significance, um, why these aesthetics are cool and make them mainstream. I don't think they'll get torn out as much. Um, mm-hmm. 
So that's true. It's a, it's a conversation and, and, and it's a lot of the builders that I work with or remodeling contractors that I work with, you know, it's, it's easier for them to buy cabinets from Home Depot and fixtures from Home Depot and put them on new plumbing. It, it's the easier way to do. So it's, it's, it's difficult from a homeowner's perspective to try to get a builder to do something like that. If you can't, if you don't possess mm-hmm. the skills or the knowledge yourself, they're just going to take the word of the builder saying, no, you have to do this this way. This can't be saved. This needs to be torn out. Um, yeah. So that's what we're up against. That is true. That's true. And I guess like it's kind of pointless for me to ask the question, what can I do anyway? Because I'm not going to do certain things. I'm just not going to do certain things, even if it could save me money. And because I guess that's just what I feel in my heart. It sure doesn't make any sense. Like when I deleted, we we deleted our house, um, this mansard roof, little Victorian mm-hmm. middle management house from, you know, 18... 18- yeah, 90s maybe I don't know but anyway it was we had to have it deleted and I had all the molding cut off and uh dipped and then put back on okay that I could and then I would they we just scraped the old molding. it was like twice as expensive or three times as expensive as just taking it all off and putting new casing sure on. yeah but I, I couldn't bring myself to do that though that's awesome <laughs> yeah that's awesome money, money you'll never see back but you felt it was I will right, never see that it was the that. right thing to do nope. um, it was the right thing to do it, and you know it was like $23,000 in 1996 wow. or whatever yeah it's yeah. a lot of money I had no money and yet somehow I got the money to spend it on that which seemed really yeah at, at the at the end of the day people are going to do what they're going to do and we can try to help educate uh, people on, you know, well, this is why, what I would do and why. And, but at the end of the day, you know, if we're keeping people in old houses and they see value in old houses, even if it's a different perspective, it's not as extreme as me, these houses are still living on maybe, maybe without how I would do it or some of the original details because it didn't meet somebody's functionality or aesthetic, at least they're living on, you know, they're not getting mm-hmm. torn down. They're not getting abandoned. Um, yeah. They're, they're, they're fulfilling a basic human need of, of, of housing. Do I have to pick certain colors no. for the interior? No. no, not at all. Even, even if I'm painting the timbers, cause there are some exposed timbers that have been painted. I don't think so. Okay. So I don't have to do that. The, the only thing, I, I the have... only thing I'll, I'll, I'll rally cry against is if you're painting original woodwork that wasn't made to be painted. Right, right. But if it's already been painted, I kind of feel like that's semi-permanent because if I keep putting on new paint all the time, it's just going to mess it up. But I could maybe choose one color and stick with it. Yeah, I don't. I I'm, I don't uh, paint colors. Aren't something I really. You don't care. No, nope, don't care. What do you What do you think about if somebody has um like in this paneled area they've put up faux? I think they're. I haven't even been to this house, <laughs> <clears throat> but from my very deep investigation, it seems like they're just faux beams because people think they were just like these wooden beams when often there was casing on the beams and they were painted in the nicer you know that's what they were going for but in the recreations to make it look more colonial they put up these rough wood yeah makes sense can i take that down if it's not original yeah all right cool all right good (laughs) see we're getting somewhere can i add windows to like the 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 1800s edition can i add windows to that if i'm allowed to from national national red registry um i would say yes okay 
Because I can make more of a connection to the outside. Yeah, I mean, because there's a, there's a way to do it that makes it look like it's always, already been there. It's not, sure, it's early. Maybe it's not original to the house. But you can you can do a historically accurate window in a placement that could have always been there. Um, so, yeah, mm. I, don't, I don't see any problem with that. Okay. Last question, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking this is my last question. What about the gardens? Like, how much do you think that should be? in keeping with what would have been in the yard at what time? That's another question too, because you have maybe certain apple trees that didn't exist before, you know, like 1850. That's when that variety came mm-hmm. about. Uh, but you could still have it because the house was there in 1850. Yeah. I mean, g- gardens for me are an aesthetic decision. I almost liken it to furniture. Do whatever you want. Really? Yeah. So you'd be okay with like birds of paradise in the front? 100%. Of this I, mean, I might not like 100%. it and it might not be something I would do personally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, it's not something know, I would you, do either just by the way. Yeah. It's, you can tear them out. I mean, I don't really like birds of paradise that much. And it's just for example. Not a Massachusetts Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's an aesthetic decision, something that can fairly easily be changed. Um, uh, it's probably on the line with lighting. You know, it's right on the cusp. Hmm. Yeah. But like Japanese maples. I also feel bad about cutting trees down, so I, I don't want to plant inappropriate trees. I feel like perennials, you can just rip those up sure. right now. But a tree is kind of more of a... Anyway, I obviously have a lot of questions, and um, you know, I don't have to solve them all today because I, I haven't even adopted the house yet. Correct. You adopted the house. Uh, I'll be... Uh, when, you're looking at it this weekend? Yeah, this weekend. Yep. Okay. Which I'm pretty excited about. My husband is cautioning me not to get too excited but i've already moved in so in my mind and i can't un i can't unsee it right anyway yeah if i do if we do end up buying it i'll definitely be in touch about about that um do you have a name for it like the eternal kitchen or do you have have you branded that uh the unfitted kitchen no the kitchen that could last oh i see what you're saying oh no that should that that, we should there should uh, be a tagline for that the uh yeah (laughs) we'll have to work we'll have to workshop that one yeah why don't you tell us about the services that you offer? Because right now you're giving me advice because I have asked you for that advice about about these old houses. And do what else do you do for people? Do you go virtually to their houses? Like, can I carry you around on Zoom or FaceTime and yep, get advice? Yeah, 100%. So I offer a consulting service um, that is centered around older homes. Um, and typically the people that hire me are people who share a similar viewpoint in that uh, they want to make changes to the house that are in keeping with the historical fabric of the house, whether the house has been um, maybe altered and they want to bring it back or it is original and they want to add a few modern conveniences that are also respecting the house. Um, So those are the typical consulting jobs I do in the mid Michigan area. Typically those are uh, in person um, on-site uh, visits, um, but I'd say half of the consults that I do are virtual. Um, either whether somebody's carrying me around while they're looking at something, or they provide me with you know a listing photos, and then we kind of dive in mm. Q and A. But everything is pretty much I answer questions like uh, this is what I would do if it was my house, and it's very informal in terms of, you know, people usually have a laundry list of questions they want answered. Um, and so we just kind of knock those things out. Mm-hmm. Um, Did we answer any questions today, do you think, Dave? Um, we decided you could Maybe. take down your beams and uh, add add some windows. I think that was the only definitive. 
Okay. And I should care if it's any time before 1960. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are answers right there. Yeah. And no recess lighting. No recess lighting. Hmm. I'll, I'll get heat. I'll All get right. heat for that one too. That should probably be my next TikTok to see how many people I can piss definitely, off. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> well, that's the key to popular TikToks is you know the controversy. So. Yes, it, it does keep it entertaining. I don't. I don't personally yeah. mind it, but to, to no. each their own. I kind of like the uh, back and forth. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. I'll be in touch after we see the house and let you know. Sounds great. If my hopes have been dashed or if I'm going to have to start learning how to make my own hand-hewn beams. Correct. Right. Could go either way. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Talk soon. All right. I appreciate all of Dave's thoughts on my dilemma right now. You can look at Dave's work and services on his website, www.rademacherrevival.com. That's R-A-D-E-M-A-C-H-E-R-R-E-V-I-V-A-L.com. On Instagram and TikTok, his handle is at Revival. Thank you to NCARB for their support of this podcast episode. Visit ncarb.org slash AOP and contribute to the Analysis of Practice survey today. Thanks for listening. I hope you subscribe to this podcast. If you don't, please head over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. And if you have time to write a review, that would be so helpful. Please contact me for any reason at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. I love to hear from people. You can also join my Facebook group, which is Talking Home Renovations Together. And I'm on there with a bunch of people who have also been on the show, have been guests on the show, and other architects and homeowners and contractors. And so we can just talk about whatever issues people might have right there in the Facebook group. If you're on Clubhouse, come join me 10 a.m. Eastern, Saturday mornings. There is so much information on my website, which is TalkingHomeRenovations.com. Head over there for transcripts, episode enhancements, other information. You want to be a guest? That's where you'll find that information in the application. This podcast is a member of Gable Media, which is the largest AEC network on the planet. Check out the other content on the network at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. This podcast is a production of my architecture firm, Demios Architects, where we believe architects are for everyone. Until next time, take care.